Good morning, church family. Um, Hear now the word of the Lord from Luke chapter 14. Jesus replied with this story. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, I have just bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was furious and said, go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. After the servant had done this, he reported, there is still room for more. So his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. For none of those I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. The word of the Lord. Eugene. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Happy Father's Day to everyone at PBCC who has played the role of dad in someone else's life. That's not always a biological thing, is it? Uh, But it's something that we want to embrace and recognize and celebrate this morning. I want to wish my own dad a happy Father's Day. As I know, he'll be joining the live stream all the way from South Korea later sometime today. (laughs) Um, uh, So that's my dad up there. Um, One of the joys that I have of being a father as well is watching my own sons beginning to explore the world around them. My dad was the first person to really encourage me to open my eyes a bit wider and look out there and see what else was out there in the world. He would come home with books about space and dinosaurs and all sorts of things just to to stir up my imagination as to what there could be. And now I get to be in that role. I get to watch my sons as they start to explore the world around them. And just as an example, um, over the last couple of years, my son William has learned a lot about space himself. So much so that he is no longer impressed when I try to tell him something new that I've just learned. (laughs) The other day I was reading about the NASA satellite Voyager 1. And I was surprised to learn that when it was launched in 1977, its mission was expected to last only five years. Yet here we are, 45 years later, and it's still sending us data, garbled and confused as it might be. (laughs) So I said to William, William, did you know there is a satellite that has been traveling through space for 45 years? He immediately replied, oh yeah, Voyager 1. (laughs) Yeah, but I know, I know. (laughs) Well, even if William wasn't terribly impressed, I know this was a point of interest for at least one of our other PBCC preachers, Bernard. In a sermon that he delivered in 2013, he referenced an important milestone in Voyager 1's journey towards the space between stars. The day it finally escaped the gravitational pull of the sun at the center of our solar system. As he mentioned in that sermon, as important as that milestone is, it's also a bit controversial. I mean, how do you know where the pull of the sun ends? 
How do you know when you've actually crossed the boundary from our solar system to the space outside of it? It's an interesting question, and Bernard saw in the, that in ambiguity a metaphor for how we tend to define the church and what it means to be a member in the church. This is what he said. At the center of our universe is the Lord Jesus Christ. Around him are gathered those who are in Christ. Beyond, there is a boundary between us and them, between those in Christ and those not. Much attention is focused on drawing the boundary in the right place and ensuring its security. But inside the boundary, individual members can be moving closer to Christ at the center or staying still or drifting further away, while those beyond the boundary may be moving inwards towards Christ. God's desire is surely that the boundary be permeable so that those beyond the boundary be attracted in towards the one who is at the center, the Lord Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, we have this tendency as Christians to set boundaries that we use to define what it means to be God's people. But these boundaries are often based on external behaviors, rituals, and appearances. Just as we draw an arbitrary line that we use to determine whether a satellite is inside or outside our solar system, so we set boundaries around what it means to follow Christ and include or exclude people based on where they appear to fall. That was one of the points Bernard was making nine years ago, and nine years later, we're still receiving messages from Voyager 1, still asking questions about space, and still learning what it means to be the church. We still face the temptation to set boundaries between us and them, between insiders and outsiders. But what really matters is not what side of the boundary someone might be at the moment, but whether or not they are drawing near to God in Christ over time, following the way of Christ, moving towards him and not away from him. And that means that even those who feel that they are far off from God today, those outside the arbitrary boundaries set by those on the inside, even, even the so-called outsiders are invited to follow the way of Christ and they can be confident that God will not turn them away. This is what our passage today is about, as we will see in a moment. But before we get into the verses that we have for today, we need to address something that I said in last week's sermon. Last week, I said something that might have raised a couple of eyebrows. I said that, quote, Paul saw himself as continuing the work that Christ had left unfinished, the work of spreading the gospel to people outside of Israel and Judea. This was my explanation of Colossians 1.24, which the New Living Translation rendered, I am glad, Paul wrote, when I suffer for you in my body, for I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. The English Standard Version translates the verse a little bit more accurately, in my opinion. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body that is the church. I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. Now this is a thought that may be difficult for us to digest, that Christ's sufferings or afflictions would somehow be found lacking. 
And the difficulty comes from the Greek word that both translations are trying to render into English. I'm gonna butcher this, but I think it's pronounced antanaplorao, which literally means something like to represent someone in their absence or even to enter something left unfinished by the one who initiated it. Paul saw himself as entering into the ministry of the gospel, which Christ had initiated through his death and resurrection. And that was Christ's job, to initiate the ministry of the gospel by making salvation possible. Paul's job in the ministry of the gospel was to tell people about what Christ had done. The ministry of the gospel will not be complete without both jobs being performed. And this, this is the only sense in which we can say that Christ's sufferings or work was incomplete. Christ made salvation possible, but Paul had a role in the ministry of the gospel as well, and that was to deliver a message. So what message was Paul sent to deliver? Well, verse 25, he wrote, I became a minister to make the word of God fully known. Last week, we left it at that as we looked deeper into the life of the messenger himself, Paul. But it turns out that Paul had a bit more to say about the message itself in the verses that we skipped over last week. So we're going to spend the rest of our time looking at those verses more closely and see if we can better appreciate the goodness of the news that Paul was sent to share. Although Paul used the phrase, the word of God, to describe his message, in verse 26, he narrowed it down to an important theme present within the word of God throughout the Old Testament. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. In Paul's day, the word of God referred to what we call the Old Testament, and in the Old Testament, a mystery was raised from the very beginning. This mystery was a major theme, arguably the major theme of the Old Testament, but it was left unsolved by the end. This is what Paul was referring to when he described the mystery of the word of God as having been hidden for ages and generations. So what is this mystery? Well, simply put, the mystery is this. How was God going to save the world? Not just his people Israel, but the whole world people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. Now, in a mystery novel or show, we are given almost all the pieces needed to solve a puzzle. At first, there seem to be many ways to solve that puzzle, many ways to fit the pieces together, but as time passes, we realize that there's really only one way for everything to fit together, and there's one final piece that could pull everything together in just that right way. But the problem is, that piece is missing. We're not even sure that the piece exists. That's what gives the tension to the mystery. Now, in the mystery of how God will save the world, we see some of the pieces of the puzzle as early as the book of Genesis. A major piece of the puzzle appears in chapter 12 when God revealed himself to Abraham. Now, remember, at that point in history, humankind had already fallen into sin, death, and allegiance to Satan. Humankind had rejected God in the Garden of Eden, and as a result, they were kicked out of it. By Abraham's time, humankind had lived for untold generations in rebellion against God. But in Genesis 12, God decided to enact his plan to save the world, to end the rebellion, to bring humankind back to himself. And one of the first pieces of the puzzle was revealing himself to Abraham. 
He did so with a promise Abraham couldn't refuse. Genesis 12, two to three. God said to Abraham, and I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. It's that last line that is key for us this morning. In you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God promised Abraham that he would bless his offspring, that he would restore his relationship with them, ending their rebellion. And when that happened, all the families of the earth would also be blessed, restored to relationship with God. This promise was repeated to Abraham multiple times throughout his life. Genesis 22, 17 through 18, for example. I will surely bless you, said the Lord, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. God's plan involved making Abraham into the father of a great nation and through his offspring, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. As time passed, God kept his promise to Abraham. His offspring eventually grew so large in number that they became a nation, the nation of Israel. And by the covenant given through Moses, the people of Israel were restored to relationship with God. Their sins could be forgiven and they could receive God's blessings. And this set them apart from all the nations and families outside of Israel, whom the Bible calls the Gentiles. If you were an Israelite, you were in relationship with God. You were on the inside with God. But if you were a Gentile, you were still his enemy, still on the outside looking in. And to help reinforce this difference, boundaries were established. If you were an Israelite, you could only eat certain foods. If you were an Israelite, you had to perform certain rituals. If Gentiles wanted to enjoy relationship with God, they would have to adopt all the rules and regulations that separated God's people from their neighbors. They would have to become Israelites. Many believed that this was how Israel was going to be used to bless the nations and families of the world. But as more time passed, the pieces started falling apart. The people of Israel never really became that blessing to the Gentile nations. Israel became powerful and wealthy and influential, but the more powerful, the more wealthy, the more influential they became, the less interested they were in God. And as they lost interest in God, They failed to bring others into relationship with God. In the end, the people of Israel were no different from the Gentiles. The pieces of the puzzle just weren't fitting as expected. But throughout the Old Testament, God raised up prophets and revealed more pieces of the puzzle. And through these revelations, it became clear that the pieces of the puzzle could really fit in only one way that there was one piece still to come that would bring it all together. One piece to come that might look misshapen, it might look odd, it might look weird, but it would be the perfect fit to solve the mystery of how God would save the world. And after hundreds of years of waiting, in the time of Paul, that peace had finally appeared. As Paul put it in verse 26 of our passage, the mystery hidden for ages and generations has now been revealed to his saints. And this peace would restore Israel's relationship with God if they accepted it, if they believed in it. 
And by that same faith, this peace would make it possible for Gentiles to know God as well, to end their rebellion against God and make them members of his family too. All who formerly could never have imagined being part of God's people could become the children of God, adopted into his family as his sons and daughters. So what was the missing piece? I think we know the answer to that. Christ. Christ in you, the hope of glory. As Paul put it at the beginning of verse 27, to them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now we have to take a moment to appreciate how incredible this would have been for Paul. The idea that Gentiles could come into relationship with God directly through Christ, this was revolutionary to him as a Jew, as a Pharisee. Even though God had made it clear as early as Genesis 12 that his purpose was to bless the Gentiles through Abraham's offspring, the assumption had been that Israel would be restored first as a nation, as a people, as worshipers in a restored temple, and then the Gentiles through Israel. But Christ appeared... And he rearranged all the pieces of the puzzle around himself. Christ is the offspring God had in mind when he made that promise to Abraham. When Christ appeared, he presented himself as the true Israel of God, the true son of God, the true temple of God. It was through him and him alone that humankind could return to God and become part of his family. Whether they were formerly a Jew or formerly a Gentile, anyone could come to God directly through Christ, through faith in Christ. The way of Christ was opened, and it was opened to absolutely everyone. He is the offspring of Abraham that can make us all Abraham's spiritual offspring. In other words, Gentiles did not have to first become Jews to come to know God, and they certainly didn't need to after either. What mattered now was not the religious boundaries of Judaism or the external boundaries of the Old Covenant. No, what mattered now was the way of Christ, faith, hope, and love, trust in and obedience to Christ. This was so revolutionary to Paul that he could not help but spread the news across the Roman Empire. He could not help but preach about it in every synagogue and on every street corner that he could. He could not help but write about it across the letters he sent, letters like the one he wrote to the Ephesians. In Ephesians 2, 11 through 12, Paul wrote, Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. He followed in verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And picking up in verses 18 through 19. For for through Christ we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers or aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Brothers and sisters, this is the mystery at the heart of the message that Paul was sent to deliver to the world. 
God can draw anyone near to himself through Jesus Christ. That anyone from any background, from any distance, can come to God through Christ. That the way of Christ is open to strangers, it is open to aliens, it is open to foreigners, it is open to the different, open to the other, open to those on the margins, open to the outsider. To all these, God holds out the offer of Christ in you, the hope of glory. As Paul summarized in Ephesians 3, 6, this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. It was this mystery that Paul worked so hard to reveal to all who hadn't yet heard the good news. Verses 1 to 3 of chapter 2 in our passage For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for all who have not seen me face to face that their hearts may be encouraged, what? To reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Paul wanted every believer, especially those of Gentile background, to understand all that they had access to through Christ, relationship with God, membership in his family, the right to look at God in the face and call him Father, and the guarantee that this relationship will never end, but only get deeper and higher and wider and longer as we spend the rest of eternity in the eternal kingdom of Christ. In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, the way to God, the way to eternal life. All this is hidden in Christ, and Paul worked for the church to lay hold of these things, to look into these things, to grab hold of them as they saw the mystery revealed to them, to know that in Christ even the outsider has access to God. Now today is Father's Day, but it is also a federal holiday, Juneteenth, the day we Americans celebrate the end of slavery in the United States. Though we commonly associate the end of slavery with Abraham Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation delivered on January 1st, 1863, it really wasn't until April 9th, 1865, that the South surrendered and the Union was able to enforce the abolishment of slavery in those states. Now this enforcement came piecemeal by way of military advancement. So it wasn't until June 19th, 1865, over two months after the North had won, that the slaves living in Texas learned that they had been freed. They spent two months believing they were still considered to be another person's property. But on the morning of June 19th, Union Major General Gordon Granger issued General Order Number 3. And I'll just read part of it for you today. The people of Texas are informed that in accordance with a proclamation from the executive of the United States, all slaves are free. This involves an absolute equality of personal rights and rights of property between former masters and slaves. Now, I don't know what kind of man Union Major General Gordon Granger was. 
But I would like to believe that any one of us here in this room, were we leading the advance of the Union armies through the South? I'd like to believe that as we were enforcing emancipation as we went, that we would go as fast and as hard as humanly possible. And that we would feel immense joy, incredible excitement, that we had the right and the privilege to tell people, human beings created in God's image, that all their souls longing for freedom had always been true, had always been right, and had been heard by God and was now beginning to be answered by him. Brothers and sisters, this was the joy and the urgency that propelled Paul as an apostle of Christ. It was his everlasting honor to tell Jews and Gentiles that they had been set free from their sin and that they could be embraced in the arms of God the Father. And all this because of Christ, the missing piece to the mystery of God's plan. Now, I don't think I will ever properly understand the joy and the peace and the relief that flooded the hearts of those former slaves in Texas that morning. Not in this life, anyway. But I know, I know what it meant for me to be enslaved to sin, to the fear of death, to Satan himself. I know what it means to be the furthest thing from a child of God, And I'm beginning to understand what it means that God did not give up on me or leave me in my enslavement, but he came for me, victorious over my rebellion, and he claimed me for himself like a father searching out his long-lost son. Now, brothers and sisters, this morning, allow me to dare to ask, do we know this good news? Do we know this good news for ourselves? Not just in our heads, but in our freed hearts. Do we realize what freedom, what love, what treasures and riches and wealth have become ours through Christ? Do we know what it means to be invited into the family of God, to be brought near to him, to be offered eternal life with him? Now, this may seem like a strange series of questions to ask a group of professing Christians, and I appreciate you indulging me. But is it really that strange to ask, considering how easy it is to forget, to be distracted, to grow numb to the gospel? When we have so much to do and so much work to do, so much work to get to, so many goals to achieve here and now and today, Is it so strange considering how easy it is to let our Christianity settle into a routine, how easy it is to take that routine for granted, to take our relationship with God for granted? I know it is easy for me. It's easy for me to forget that I don't belong here. It's easy to forget that I don't belong here among the people of God, that I don't belong here singing his praises. It's easy to forget that I don't belong here teaching or even reading or even hearing his word. It's easy to forget where I come from, who I started life as, you know, a Gentile, an outsider, a stranger, an alien, a foreigner to the promises of God. 
It's easy to forget that I didn't get here by my own strength, by my own goodness, because of my abilities or anything distinct about myself. It's easy to forget that I'm here in the church, that I'm part of God's family solely because Christ picked up the pieces of who I am and fit them around himself. I'm only here because Christ, the missing piece, fit me into his love. Brothers and sisters, We were all outsiders once, weren't we? We were all strangers and foreigners to God. We were all the Gentiles on the outside of God's people looking in. But Christ has brought us near to God. It doesn't matter where we've come from, what history lies in our past, what color our skin is, what language we speak at home. The way of Christ is open to us all, brothers and sisters. So may this mystery revealed in Christ fill us with thankfulness, fill us with gratitude. To personalize what Paul wrote in verse 27, to us, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in us the hope of glory. In a world devoid of hope, we've been given this hope in Christ, the hope that we'll one day be fully reunited with God, our Father, to live as his children in endless peace and endless joy and endless delight. May this mystery now revealed fill us with gratitude and may it fill us, may it fill us with security As Paul implied in verses two to three, the knowledge of what Christ has done for us brings with it full assurance. He urged his readers to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. As we receive more and more deeply the love of Christ, as we grow in the assurance that God is willing and able to do what he has promised to do for us, that he will never break his promises to us, that he will never fail to bring us all the way home as we trust in him. Let us grow in confidence and security. We are outsiders no longer, brothers and sisters, and that will never change. May that fill us with confidence and security in an uncertain world. And finally, may this mystery revealed in Christ fill us with compassion and urgency for our neighbors for the communities, and for the world around us. We were outsiders, but we've been brought near to God. How then, brothers and sisters, could anyone ever be outside of our love? How could anyone ever appear to us as an outsider? The old boundaries have been removed. All that matters is following the way of Christ, drawing near to God in Christ by faith, hope, and love. Would we dare erect new boundaries, draw new lines, create new divisions between us and them? Should we not instead tear down any boundary based on anything less than Christ? Break down any walls separating us from others because of their backgrounds, histories, appearances, income levels, or politics. Different though we may all be, and that difference should be celebrated, not ignored or seen past. Different we may be, but can anyone ever again appear to us as an outsider when we ourselves were outsiders brought into the love of God? There will be no outsiders in heaven, brothers and sisters. 
all will be united, brought in unity before our Heavenly Father, bringing our uniqueness as an offering of praise to Him alone. As we read at the beginning of our service, great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord, our God, the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you. For your righteous acts, your mystery has been revealed. The mystery has been revealed, brothers and sisters. God's righteous acts have been revealed. The missing piece is Christ. And by him, even outsiders like us may draw near to God as we follow the way of Christ. Let's reflect on this truth, brothers and sisters, this mystery as we enter into a time of communion. But receive now this benediction. As you go from this place, may the love of the Father fill your heart like a father looking for his long lost child, like a father waiting at the door, like a father who has prepared a meal for you to share in and a seat at the table for you to sit in, may you know the love of God for you through Jesus Christ our Lord. Be blessed, be well, and go in peace.